this morning. Uh, you know that point where you start to realize that you might be getting older and not necessarily understand the youth of today? Uh, well, I really hope that you will send uh, your child to youth camp, even if you didn't understand that video or what was going on. The teenagers understand what's going on, and they are very excited about it. And so uh, we're going to have a great time at youth camp, and we'd love to have your teen join us there. All right, well, today, uh, my name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here, and we are going to continue our series, Summer of Champions, where we're talking about how champions are winners, and that's really something that I've kind of been wrestling with and thinking about over the last few weeks is what does it mean to win as a Christian? And how do we know if we're winning? How do we know if we're doing a good job as we're following Jesus? After all, Christianity doesn't have report cards or grades. Nobody's coming up and saying, hey, in the last quarter, here's all the things that you were doing really good and here's some things to work on. So how do we know if we're doing a good job? Now, the world would give us some different indicators, some different markers to tell us if we're succeeding, if we're winning. So they're going to be looking at things like, well, are you married? Are you in a relationship? You know, do you have a degree? Do you have two degrees? You know, do you have a career? Do you live in a big house? You know, do you have a big trailer and a fast boat? You know, are you healthy? Are you happy? Is this winning? Sometimes Christians, we can fall into similar thought patterns where we start to feel like, well, you know, now that I've got some of these things going on, I'm feeling blessed, things are so good, I must be winning. What does it look like to win in a Christian context? I remember being a teenager and hearing a lot about how Christians should be leaders and influencers, how the world should come to us and we should be the pinnacle, we should be at the top of the mountaintop when it comes to things like business and sports, Hollywood and government. Christians should lead the way. Is that what it looks like to win? Is, is that winning? Because when we look at the New Testament church, they weren't pursuing health and wealth. They were laying their lives on the line to spread the good news of Jesus. They were giving generously to orphans and the poor and even selling properties to share with their brothers and sisters in Christ. What does it mean for us to win? How do we know if we're doing a good job? Well, wrestling with and thinking about these ideas is what led me to share a message with you a few weeks ago talking about overcoming the world and the temptations and desires that we face from the world because that's one way that we can tell if we're winning is how am I doing in these areas but we need to remember that all of these things are centered around Jesus being our champion as we're talking about a summer of champions, we got to remember that Jesus is our champion, that he has victory over sin and death, and it's because of him that we can walk in victory. So an overcoming Christian is a winning Christian, and today I want to share with you another way that we can kind of look and measure in our life, how am I doing, am I winning, and it's that a winning Christian is a thriving Christian. And so I want to look at three different passages from the Bible that paint a picture for us of what it looks like to be a thriving believer. 
And so if you uh, have a big Bible that's full of bookmarks and you are just ready for moments like this, as we're going to look at three different passages today, then you can try and follow along with me, get your bookmarks ready. We're going to jump from place to place. But for everybody else, you can kind of just sit back in your seat, take a look up at the screen, and we're going to go through these three different portions of Scripture that together are going to give us this picture of a thriving believer. All right, first we're going to look at Psalm 1, one of the more famous psalms, a well-known passage. We're going to take a look at it in the English Standard Version. And so if you have your Bible or you're a quick page turner, you can try and get there. But we're going to be moving quickly here. Psalm 1, this is what it says. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Okay, now you got to be a quick page turner to keep up with us because we're going to go to Psalm 92. Psalm 92 is a psalm probably written by David, and it's a psalm of the Sabbath, and it was a song that would be sung on Sabbath days. We're going to take a look at the last few verses of Psalm 92, starting in verse 12 and going to verse 15, and this is also going to add to this picture of what it looks like to be a thriving believer. So let's take a look at it here. It says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. And grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. All right, so Psalm 1 And Psalm 92, we get kind of a a similar picture. Okay, get your bookmarks ready. We're going to go to one more. We're going to go to Jeremiah chapter 17. Jeremiah chapter 17, just a little farther along in your Bible. And this is what it says in Jeremiah 17 verse 7. It says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. All right, so when we take these three different passages and we look at them together, we can see a picture of a thriving tree. Well, today I want to share with you about how a winning Christian is a thriving Christian. And I want to to look at how as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our lives were meant to thrive. We are able to thrive because of what Jesus has done for us. And so abundant life can be ours. Life overflowing is available to us in Jesus. We can be this picture of a thriving, fruitful 
tree. Because Jesus is our source. He is our foundation. We are grounded in him. And so we don't need to have the markers that the world would say are people who are successful. So if we don't have that relationship, or we don't have that degree, we're not living in that big house, we can still be thriving Christians. It's not just according to the world's standards of success, but we want to thrive. And God has made a way for us to thrive. Well, today I want to give you a key to thriving. If we want to be these thriving Christians, if we want to look at these uh, scriptures and we want to experience this in our heart and in our lives, then I want to share with you a key to thriving, and it's this. Planted people thrive. Planted people thrive. Thrive. When we look at each of these portions of scripture, in Psalm 1, verse 3, it says, He's planted by the rivers of water. Let me make sure I say it correctly here. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That's Psalm 1 3. In Psalm 92, verse 13, it said, They are planted in the house of the Lord. And in Jeremiah 17, 8, it said, He is like a tree planted by water. And so we want to be planted. But what does it mean for us as Christians practically to be planted? Right, we're not talking about going out into your backyard and getting your feet in the dirt and just feeling connected with nature and just kind of put your roots down with your toes wiggling in the dirt. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about how we can be, as believers, planted. There's a couple ways that we can understand this. First of all, practically, it's that as believers in Jesus, we are planted in Christ. He is our source. We are rooted and grounded in him. The New Testament uses language like we are found in him. In God, we live and move and have our being. And so we are rooted in Jesus in our relationship with him, we know that we are connected to him. What could separate us from the love of God? We are planted in him. And so as believers, the first part is for us to be planted in Jesus. Now, who is planted? Well, when we look at these different passages, we get a picture of who is planted. In Psalm 1, it's talking about somebody who delights themselves in the Lord, delights himself in God's word, and is not walking according to the way of the world. Psalm 92 talks about how the righteous are planted. Someone who's doing what is right. We know from Romans chapter 3 that none of us on our own are righteous. None of us have what it takes to do everything right on our own. But it is through the righteousness of Christ that we put on by faith that is available to all of us as believers. And so because of what Jesus has done, now we put on that righteousness of Christ and we're able to do good works. We're able to do what is right. And so we can be righteous. We can be one who's going to be planted Jeremiah talks about one who trusts in the Lord. That when we trust in the Lord, we're like a tree planted by waters. So that's who is planted. We're planted, first of all, in Christ. And then secondly, it's that God plants believers in a community of faith. That as Christians, we know 
we're not to do this by ourselves. Jesus had a, a group of men around him. He had 12 disciples, people that he was interacting with and teaching and training. That Christianity has never meant, been meant for the Lone Rangers or those who would do it alone. But we do it together. Our church motto is becoming church together. And so God is the one who plants us into a community of faith, a church. Now, what we need to understand is that we don't plant ourselves. A, a tree can't plant itself. There's a, a difference between seed kind of being scattered and kind of just growing up wherever it is and being intentionally planted somewhere. And it's God who plants us into a community of faith. And we can see this in our lives. For instance, our lead pastor, Pastor Todd, uh, he's away enjoying some uh, vacation time right now, but he'll be back with us soon. But he's an American who came up to Canada to marry Pastor Jan. And their plan was just to stay here for a few years while Pastor Jan was going to finish university. And then they were going to go back to the States where Pastor Todd had a sweet job lined up. Except that God planted him here in our church. And now all these years later, he's the lead pastor of our church. It wasn't part of his plan, but it was part of God's plan. That God planted him here. For myself, when I was 19 years old, I went down to Seattle, Washington, and I was, uh, did an internship for two years at a big church with about 5,000 people in it when I was there. And I loved my time in Seattle. I enjoyed every minute of it, learning everything, being a part of a big church behind the scenes, figuring out how they were doing things. And if it was up to me, I would have been planted in Seattle. The only trouble was, I was on an expiring visa, I had run through my savings and was living on a line of credit, I had to come back home to Calgary. But fortunately for me, God planted me here. Where God plants us is better than where we would just plant ourselves. And how about you? I'm sure for many of you, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, you wouldn't have pictured yourself maybe being here. But God has brought you here. For some of you, you weren't even living in this country those years ago. And God brought you to this country and then brought you here to be part of a community of faith. Some of you, you married a spouse and this was their church and now you've joined in with us. Not a part of your original plan. But God is the one who plants us. So God plants us. All right, well... Today, as we kind of have that basic understanding of practically what does it mean to be planted, we're planted in Christ, and we're planted in a community of faith. And I'm not even saying you have to be planted in this community of faith, just that as believers, we are designed to be planted. All right, I want to give you today seven benefits for planted people. That as we look at these verses of Scripture, we can see seven benefits for those who would be planted. All right, number one, planted people are placed in a position to succeed. Planted people are placed. Now, I could have gone all out with the P's and said, planted people are placed in a position to prosper. But I didn't. I went with succeed. I thought it was a little bit too much. So planted people are placed in a position to succeed. Now, if God intentionally plants us, 
we can trust that he's going to put us in a position where we can succeed. And if we look at these pictures created here in these verses we're looking at, these trees are planted in very particular places. Psalm 1 said he's like a tree planted by streams of water. That the tree is planted beside multiple streams. It has everything that it would need to have success as a tree. Psalm 92 This is an unusual picture. It says, they are planted in the house of the Lord, and they flourish in the courts of our God. I mean, you don't plant a tree inside of a house, but God plants inside of his house. His house is so big and so incredible and so amazing, we can be planted inside of his house and planted in the courts of our God. And if we just think about this picture for a minute, In the tabernacle, in the Old Testament, the temple, where uh, the courtyard, if there was a tree that was to be planted in that area, it would be treated like a sacred tree. It would be an important tree. The priests would come out. They would tend to that tree and ensure that the tree had everything that it needed to succeed. That's where God plants us. And so when we're planted in Christ, we need to know that we have what we need to succeed. God has intentionally planted us. We are rooted and grounded and built up in Christ Jesus. And so we can trust God that where he's placed us is a place where we can have success. In a community of faith, that our church can be a place where people can thrive, where people can grow, where people can succeed. And so that's what we want to be as a community of believers coming together, this kind of environment. And so we trust, God, if this is where you've planted me, I must be able to have success, not according to the world's measurements of success, but according to God's standards, that we can thrive. And so here in this community of faith, if we are planted here, we can thrive. All right, let's look at point number two. I'm going to take a little drink here, ease my voice. Point number two, planted people are fruitful. Planted people are fruitful. Psalm 92 says, the righteous flourish like the palm tree. And if we look at this picture, now if we picture a palm tree in our head, we probably picture like a a California palm tree. But this is a little different. It's a Middle Eastern palm tree. It's actually a date palm that's being talked about. So the date palm is one of the tallest trees in the Middle East. We can put a picture up there of a date palm. And so it's considered to be elegant and beautiful. I mean, in Song of Solomon, Solomon compares a woman to this palm tree. Ladies, wouldn't you think that that was a wonderful compliment to have? You look just like a very tall, elegant tree. Well, the date palm is very fruitful. It has large clusters of dates that it produces. Solomon also compares those to something, but I'll leave you to find that in Song of Solomon. It's a beautiful, elegant tree, and it's a picture of prosperity and fruitfulness in the Bible. Planted people flourish. That word flourish can also be translated thrive. It bursts forth in green shoots and life is bursting out of it. It's flourishing. It's thriving. Psalm 1 says that the tree yields its fruit in its season. And Jeremiah 17, 8 says it does not cease to bear fruit. 
And so when we're talking about fruit, what that means is it's good works that we're doing. It's right things that we're doing, works that glorify God, the works of righteousness. And it's good things that are being produced inside of us. You might be familiar with the fruit of the Spirit and love and joy and peace. That it's these good things, our trust in God, our hope in God. These things are being produced in our life. And so we flourish like the palm tree. Planted people are fruitful. Number three, planted people grow. It says in Psalm 92, they grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They grow. We increase. We don't stay the same. We become more mature. We enlarge ourselves. We get bigger. And this is something for a tree that happens naturally. A tree is not striving to grow. And if only I could grow, if only I could. It's something that when a tree is planted in a position to succeed, it has everything it needs. Growth is going to happen. And so for us, when we are delighting in the Lord, we're delighting in his word. We're not walking according to the ways of the world. We're trusting in God, like it says in Jeremiah. When we know that we've been planted, how could we not grow? We're going to see growth and increase in our life. We're going to see that maturity. It's not something we have to strive for when we are planted people. Planted people grow. Number four, planted people are strong and secure. It says they grow like a cedar in Lebanon. And so a Middle Eastern cedar on average would grow to be about 85 feet tall. But they can easily pass 100 feet tall. And they have incredibly thick trunks, and their wood uh, doesn't rot easily. It's great wood to build with. And so planted people are strong and secure. They're the kind of people that you want to build with. And that's what we can see in our life. We can grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Planted people can withstand the winds that come the storms of life, those difficult situations, because we're strong and secure. Planted people. Number five, planted people are rooted. Jeremiah 17 verse 8 says, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Rooted. We can have deep roots, and we send out our roots, roots that find their way to the river, to the source. And we can send out our roots. The New Testament talks about how we are to be rooted and grounded in love. And so as we put our roots into Christ, as we understand that we are planted in him, we're connected to him, to that love that he has for us, that nothing could separate us from the love that he has for us. As we put our roots down into Christ and as a community of faith, as we put our roots down and stretch out our roots and they get tangled up with other people, they get connected, we're part of, of a root system. 
My wife and I uh, lived at a house where we had 30 trees on our property. It was an enormous amount. It was too many trees. And so when we moved in, I had an arborist come and cut down a few of what I considered to be the extra trees. One of them was Crystal's favorite childhood tree, which I did cut down without consulting her. That was not a smart move. Uh, <laughs> I cut down some of the trees, and then I had another genius thought. I'll save some money by not having them come and root out the trees. I'll just dig up the stumps of some of these trees. And so one was right in the middle of the yard. It kind of had to be taken care of. So I invited my dad to come over. We had a couple spades, and we just started to dig around the stump of this, like, 35-year-old tree. Easy. No problem. It was so much work. It was, we just kept hitting roots where I was like, how are there roots here? We're so far away from the stump now. But they had just stretched out. They were everywhere. And it was so difficult to uproot this tree. When we stretch out our roots, it should be difficult to uproot us. Now we know that God doesn't just keep us in one place forever you know, uh, many of you have come and joined our church. We know that God sends people. But I think it should be a little bit difficult when we're uprooted, even when God is sending us somewhere else because we've put our roots down. We have those relationships. We have those connections with people. It's a little bit uncomfortable for us to be replanted somewhere else. We want to be those people. That's how we thrive we're planted people, and we reach down our roots. And it ties right in to our next point, number six, is that planted people stay healthy and green. In Jeremiah 17, verse 8, it says that the tree doesn't fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Psalm 1, verse 3 says its leaf does not wither, and Psalm 92.14 says they still bear fruit in old age. That's the Bible saying that. I'm not using the phrase old age. That's for you to interpret what that means. How old is old age? I don't know. That's the Bible saying that. They are ever full of sap and green. Does not fear when the heat comes because our roots have gone down into the source. And so even when the environment around us changes, even when we're not fed the way that we're expecting or that we're used to being fed, all of a sudden it's not raining as often as it used to rain. But our roots have gone down deep into the source so that even when the heat comes, even when other people are finding it difficult because we're planted in Christ, because we're planted in a community of faith, we can stay green, we can stay healthy, even in the life cycle of a tree when we hit old age, when we shouldn't be as fruitful anymore. That would be the expectation. We can continue to produce fruit because we're planted, because our roots have been spread out and we're down to the source even if the environment changes, even if it's not ideal. We don't have to go anywhere. We can stay planted and green and fruitful. All right, point number seven. Planted people flourish, thrive, and prosper. There's a lot of comparisons that are made in these passages between the righteous, the people who are doing what's right, and the wicked. 
And the wicked are compared to grass. In Jeremiah, if you read the, a few verses ahead of uh, where we were reading, it's a direct contact, contrast between if you're trusting in man and what life looks like for you as someone who's trusting in man and the strength of man and somebody who's trusting in God. You know, you're like a shrub. You're like a little tree. It talks about being like grass. You know, a grass can flourish for a season. Grass can be beautiful. Grass can grow quickly. But it doesn't last like a tree. When difficult times come, it doesn't last. It doesn't flourish like a tree does. Rooted, grounded, thriving people, planted people, flourish, thrive, and prosper. Psalm 1 verse 3 says, in all he does, he prospers. Psalm 92 repeatedly uses that word flourish, that word thrive, and Jeremiah 17, 8 says, for it does not cease to bear fruit. It's a beautiful picture of planted people, planted in Christ, connected to him, planted in a community of faith. But it's not always easy to be planted. And it's certainly not easy to stay planted. In the New Testament, there's a gentleman named Onesimus. And Onesimus is a slave who ends up having an opportunity where he escapes from slavery. He's a runaway slave. He, he most likely steals from his master on his way out. I mean, hey, good for you. Get out of there, Onesimus. You know, he, he shakes off. He gets away. He's no longer a slave. Now he's a runaway slave. And he makes his way to Rome. He finds his way there. And he meets up with Paul. Paul, who is the famous hero of the New Testament. And Paul is in Rome under house arrest. And somehow Paul and Onesimus uh, begin this friendship where Paul leads Onesimus to Jesus. And Onesimus gives his heart to Jesus and he becomes a Christian. And he's someone who is working alongside of Paul. And he becomes useful to Paul. He's a great friend to Paul and a servant to Paul. I mean, for Onesimus, what a great thing to have happened to him. You know, as a runaway slave to meet up with Paul who leads him to Jesus. And now all he wants to do is stay by Paul's side and help him with whatever he can. But Paul knows, even though he'd love to have Onesimus stay with him, that what he needs to do is he needs to send Onesimus back to his master, to his owner. Because Paul happens to also know Philemon, who is the slave owner of Onesimus. And so he tells Onesimus, hey, I'm going to write you a letter to Philemon, and I'm going to plead on your behalf, and I'm going to say, hey, I want you to go back not as a slave, but as a brother. And whatever you stole, whatever is owed, it counted against me, Paul. But he, he takes this letter, gives it to Onesimus, and sends him back to where he was a slave. I mean, what a difficult thing for Onesimus to be asked to do, to go back to this place where he was once a slave, to now go as a brother, as a Christian, but where Philemon has the legal right to kill Onesimus. But Paul is saying, hey, you need to go back here. This is where God has for you to be. To be planted here in a place where you were once a slave. To come back and to be a brother in Christ. And to be planted and fruitful in this difficult environment. This difficult situation. It's not always easy to be planted. 
It's not always easy to stay planted. I told you about how I loved my time in Seattle. It was a great two years being there. Part of what made it so great is that there were some very difficult decisions that I had to make at home, and so escaping from those decisions for two years was really nice. Because my parents, who were pastors in this church that I've grown up in my whole life, they were planning a church in the Northwest. And they wanted me to come with them and to be part of that church plant with them. And I really didn't know what to do. Because I really felt like this was my home and this was my church. And this is where I had grown up and I had all my friendships and relationships. But I'd also grown up with my family and I was living at home with them when I came back from Seattle and so trying to navigate having these conversations about hey I'm actually going to stay at Eastside and they're actually going to hire me on as a children's pastor and so I'm not really going to go with you and do this church plant thing was not a situation that I as a 21 year old navigated very well and there was a lot of hurts and there was a lot of awkward conversations and difficult times but it's not always easy to be planted and it's not always easy to stay planted when things get tough when it doesn't seem so green anymore where the grass seems greener somewhere else it seems so much easier God if you would just put me over there or if you just ask me to stay here or go there It's not always easy to be planted, but planted people thrive. How are we doing today? Are we we thriving? Are we winning? Are we, when we're looking at our life, we're examining ourselves, are we thriving? Are we planted people? God wants to plant you somewhere. Again, it doesn't have to be here. It's not about we all have to stay here at East Side forever and nobody can leave. Lock the doors. You can't go anywhere. But it's about being a planted people, that God plants us. Today I want to ask you just to, to bow your head and just to consider in your own heart, are you thriving? Are you planted?